0: Chapter Thirty-One of *Havoc* by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Waes, Tom's Audiobooks.com. Chapter Thirty-One, Miss Lenview's Message. The two men stepped back into the hotel. The cashier had returned to his desk, and the incident which had just transpired seemed to have passed unnoticed nevertheless laverick felt that the studied indifference of his companion's manner had its significance and he endeavored to imitate it shall we go through into the bar he asked there's very seldom anyone there at this time anywhere you say bellamy answered it's years since we had a drink together they passed into the inner room and finding it empty drew two chairs into the further corner bellamy summoned the waiter two whiskies and sodas quick tom he ordered And now laverick listen to me he added as the waiter turned away we are alone for the moment but it won't be for long you know very well that it wasn't to renew our schoolboy acquaintance that i've asked you to come in here with me laverick drew a little breath please go on he said i am as anxious as you can be to grasp this affair properly when we left school bellamy remarked you were destined for the stock exchange. I went first to Magdalen. Did you ever hear of what became of me afterwards? I always understood, Laverick answered, that you went into one of the government offices. Uh, quite right, Bellamy assented. I did. At this moment I have the honor to serve his majesty. Two thousand a year and two hours work a day, Laverick laughed. I know the sort of thing. You evidently don't, Bellamy answered. I often work twenty hours a day. I don't get half two thousand a year, and most of the time I carry my life in my hands. When I am working, and I am working now, I am never sure of the morrow. Laverick looked at him incredulously. You're not joking, Bellamy? he asked. Not by any manner of means. I have the honor to be a humble member of His Majesty's Secret Service. Laverick glanced at his companion wonderingly i really didn't know he said that such a service had any actual existence except in novels i am a proof to the contrary bellamy declared grimly abroad i always run the risk of being dubbed a spy and treated like one at home i am simply the head of the a2 branch of the secret service here come our drinks laverick raised his whisky and soda to his lips mechanically here's luck he exclaimed now go on bellamy he continued The waiter can't overhear. Bellamy smiled. Tim is one of the few persons in the place, he said, whom one can trust. As a matter of fact, he has been very useful to me more than once. Now listen to me attentively, Laverick. I am going to speak to you as one man to another. Laverick nodded. I am ready, he said. Last Monday, Bellamy went on, leaning forward and speaking in a soft but very distinct undertone, The man was murdered late at night in the heart of the city, within one hundred yards of the stock exchange. The papers called it a mysterious murder. No one knows who the man was or who committed the crime, or why. You and I, Laverick, both know a little more than the rest of the world. Well? The murder, Bellamy continued, with a strange light in his eyes, was accomplished only a stone's throw from your office. Laverick lit a cigarette and threw the match away horrible affair it was he remarked bellamy glanced towards the door a man had looked in and departed enough of this fencing laverick he said a theft was committed from the person of that murdered man of which the general public knows nothing a pocketbook was stolen from him containing twenty thousand pounds and a sealed document as to who murdered the man i want you to understand that that is not my affair as to what has become of that twenty thousand pounds I have not the slightest curiosity. I want the document. What claim have you to it? Laverick asked quickly. I might retort, but I will not, Bellamy replied. Time is too short. I will answer you by explaining who the man was and what that document consists of. The man's name was von Berling, and he was a trusted agent of the Austrian Secret Service. The document of which he was robbed contains a verbatim report of the conference which recently took place at vienna between the emperor of germany the emperor of austria and the czar of russia it contains the details of a plot against this country and the undertakings entered into by those several powers i want that document laverick have i established my claim you have laverick answered why on earth didn't you come to me before don't you believe that i should have listened to you as readily as to mademoiselle I wish that I had come, Bellamy admitted, and yet here is the truth, Laverick, because the truth is best. Twenty-two years lie between us in the time when we knew anything of one another. To me, therefore, you are a stranger. I had my spies following von Berling that night. I know that you took the pocket-book from his dead body. If you did not murder him yourself, the deed was done by an accomplice of yours. How was I to trust you? We are speaking naked words, my friend. We are dealing with naked truce. To me you were a murderer and a thief. A word from me and you would have realized the value of that document. I tell you frankly that Austria would give you almost any sum for it today. Laverick, strong man though he was, was conscious of a sudden weakness. He raised his hand to his forehead and drew it away wet. He struggled desperately for self-control. Bellamy, he said here's truth for truth. I am not on my trial before you. Believe me, man, for God's sake. I'll try, Bellamy promised. Go on. That night I stayed at my office late, because I saw ruin before me on the morrow. I left it meaning to go straight home. I lit a cigarette near that entry, and by the light of a match as I was throwing it away I saw the murdered man. I think for a time I was paralyzed. The pocket-book was half dragged out from his pocket. Why I looked inside it, I don't know. I had some sort of wild idea that I must find out who he was. Mind you, though, I should have given the alarm at once, but there wasn't a soul in the street. There was a man lurking in the entry, and I chased him unsuccessfully. When I came back the body was still there, and the street empty i looked inside that pocket-book which would have been in the possession of his murderer but for my unexpected appearance i saw the notes there once more i went out into the street i gave no alarm i am not attempting to explain why i was like a man made suddenly mad i went back to my office and shut myself in bellamy pointed to the glasses silently the waiter came forward and refilled them bellamy laverick continued Your career and mine lie far apart, and yet at their backbone, as there is at the backbone of every man's life, there must be something of the same sort of ambition. My grandfather lived and died a member of the Stock Exchange, honored and well thought of. My father followed in his footsteps. I, too, was there. Without becoming wealthy, the name I bear has become known and respected. Failure, whatever one may say, means a broken life. And a broken honor. I sat in my office and I knew that the use of those notes for a few days might save me from disgrace, might keep the name which my father and grandfather had guarded so jealously free from shame. I would have paid any price for the use of them. I would have paid with my life if that had been possible. Think of the risk I ran, the danger I am now in. I deposited those notes on the morrow as security at my bank and I met all my engagements. The crisis is over. Those notes are in a safe deposit vault in Chancery Lane. I only wish to heaven that I could find the owner. And the document, Bellamy asked, the document. It is in the hotel safe, Laverick answered. Bellamy drew a long sigh of relief. Then he emptied his tumbler and lit a cigarette. Laverick, he declared, I believe you. Thank God, Laverick muttered. I am no crime investigator, Bellamy went on thoughtfully. As to who killed von Burling or why, I cannot now form the slightest idea. That £20,000, Laverick, is Secret Service money, paid by me to von Burling only half an hour before he was murdered in a small restaurant there for what I suppose to be the document. He deceived me by making up a false packet, the real one he kept. He deserved to die, and I am glad he is dead laverick's face was suddenly hopeful then you can take these notes he exclaimed bellamy nodded in a few days he said i shall take you with me to a friend of mine-a cabinet minister you shall tell him the story exactly as you've told it to me and restore the money laverick laughed like a child don't think i'm mad he apologized but i am not a person like you bellamy used to adventures and this sort of wild happenings i'm a steady-going matter-of-fact englishman and this thing has been like a hateful nightmare to me. I can't believe that I'm going to get rid of it. Bellamy smiled. It's a great adventure, he declared, to come to anyone like you. To tell you the truth, I can't imagine how you had the pluck. Don't misunderstand me. I mean the moral pluck, to run such a risk. Why, at the moment you used those notes, Bellamy continued, the odds must have been about twenty to one against your not being found out. One doesn't stop to count the odds, Laverick said grimly. I saw a chance of salvation, and I went for it. And now, about this letter. Bellamy rose to his feet. On the King's service, he whispered softly. They walked once more to the cashier's desk. A stranger greeted them. Laverick produced his receipt. I should like the packet I deposited here this evening, he said. I am sorry to trouble you, but I find that I require it unexpectedly. The clerk glanced at the receipt and up at the clock. "'I am afraid, sir,' he answered, "'that we cannot get at it before the morning.' "'Why not?' Laverick demanded, frowning. "'Mr. Dean has just gone home,' the man declared, "'and he is the only one who knows the combination on the L-safe. "'You see, sir,' he continued, "'we keep this particular safe for documents, "'and we did not expect that anything would be required from it to-night.' Bellamy drew Laverick away. After all, he said, perhaps tomorrow morning would be better. There's no need to get shirty with these fellows. As a matter of fact, I don't think that I should have dared to receive it without making some special preparations. I can get some plain clothesmen here upon whom I can rely at nine o'clock. They strolled back into the hall. Tell me, Laverick asked, do you know who the man was who forged my name to the order a few hours ago? Bellamy nodded. It was Adolf Kahn, an Austrian spy. I have been watching him for days. If they'd given him the paper I had four men at the door, but it would have been touch and go. He is a very prince of conspirators, that fellow. To tell you the truth, I think I might as well go home. Bellamy was drawing on his gloves when the hall-porter brought a note to Laverick. A messenger has just left this for you, sir, he explained. Laverick tore open the envelope. The contents consisted of a few words only, written on plain notepaper, and in a handwriting which was strange to him. Ring up, one-two-three-two, Gerard. Laverick frowned, turned over the half-sheet of paper, and looked once more at the envelope. Then he passed it on to his companion. "'What do you make of that, Bellamy?' he asked. Bellamy smiled as he perused and returned it. "'What could anyone make of it?' he remarked laconically. "'Do you know the handwriting?' never saw it before, to my knowledge, Laverick answered, What should you do about it? I think Bellamy suggested that I should ring up number one, two three two Gerard. They crossed the hall at Laverick entered one of the telephone booths. a one two three two Gerard he said the connection was made almost at once. Who are you, Laverick asked. I am speaking for Mrs. Zoe of was the reply. Are you Mr. Laverick? I am Laverick answered. Is Miss Lenabue there? Can she speak to me herself? She is not here. The voice continued. She was fetched away in a hurry from the theatre. We understood by her brother. She left two and sixpence with the doorkeeper here to ring you up, and explained that she had been summoned to her brother's rooms, twenty-five German Street, and would you kindly go on there? Who are you, Laverick? demanded. There was no reply. Laverick remained speechless, listening intently. He stood still with the receiver pressed to his ear. Was it his fancy, or was that really Zoe's protesting voice which he heard in the background? It was a woman or a child who was speaking. He was almost sure that it was Zoe. who are you? he asked fiercely. Miss Lenevew is there with you. Why does she not speak for herself? Miss Lenneview is not here was the answer. I have done what she desired. You can please yourself whether you go or not. The address is twenty-five German Street ring off the connection was gone laverick laid down the receiver and stepped out of the booth i must be off at once he said to bellamy you'll be round in the morning bellamy smiled after all he remarked i have changed my plans i shall not leave the hotel i am going to telephone round to my man to bring me some clothes by the by do you mind telling me whether this message which you have just received had anything to do with the little affair in which we are interested not directly laverick answered after a moment's hesitation the message was from a young lady i have to go and meet her a young lady whom you can trust bellamy inquired quietly implicitly laverick assured him she spoke herself no she sent a message excuse me bellamy won't you but i must really go by all means bellamy answered they stood at the entrance to the hotel together while a taxicab was summoned Laverick stepped quickly in. A Twenty-five German Street, he ordered. Bellamy watched him drive off. Then he sighed. I think, my friend Laverick, he said softly, that you will need someone to look after you to-night. End of chapter 31. Recording by Tom Weiss. Tom's com